News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, it is a day that ends in Y, and so there's been a, another brawl at a CMS school, and uh, did, I think they're up to 18 guns now. They got 18. Last count, I saw 17. Now I think we're at 18. Um they had a gun at Garinger High School found yesterday, a fight involving multiple students, brought police to Julius Chambers High School uh, on Wednesday. Uh, a gun was found at Harding University High School on Tuesday. WCCB-TV reporting that uh, CMS middle school teacher Steve Oroskovich is in the trenches. He says this behavior stems from a lack of social-emotional resources in the district. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason. By the way, you heard the, uh, I, and I, all I've heard is the newscast there about the uh, what attorney general or who the prosecutor up in Michigan that's charging the parents in the school shooting because they allowed the kid to have access to the handgun that he used to, you know, kill a bunch of kids. Uh, that's completely appropriate, in my view, and I say that as a gun owner, concealed carry holder, like. Absolutely. You give you, you give a person a gun and they go off and commit premeditated murder with it and that person is not a legal carrier, then yeah. So I don't have any problem with charging parents for giving their kids guns and then the kids go off and murder people with them. Um, especially, particularly if the kid is not allowed, is he's only 15 years old. He's not a permitted holder. Um so this uh, this rash of uh, now guns. There's now 18, I think, and you've got the uh, the brawls. There was another one today. Was it at was today's at Garinger or is it at Harding? I'm losing track of them all. Um, BTV reports that uh, a student was found with a gun on campus at a Charlotte High School Thursday morning. This was um, to, to to do at uh, Harding, and when Brett Jensen interviewed. Ernest Winston, the superintendent of CMS. All of the videos, by the way, they're all posted at WBT.com. Um, I think you got to scroll back like a page or two to, to get to the videos. But um, Winston said this was the first video that they published. It was about violence. And here's the direct quote. I typed it out. I did the, the verbatim, the transcript here. He said, We've had students who have spent nearly 18 months in nearly an all-virtual environment, and what we're seeing now are largely the results of that. So kids are showing up at school with guns and knives and other weapons because of the lockdowns you put them through? I just want to be clear here. You guys shut down the schools. You refused to open them because the teachers union was like, we're not going back. And you were like, okay, give us more money for our reelection campaigns. And so you kept the schools closed. You did this BS virtual stuff. And now you're blaming that decision for the reason why kids are bringing guns and knives to school and brawling in the hallways, though. That's that's what you're going with. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it works. He says, our students are experiencing trauma. And we as a community need to address these needs. Um, So is the trauma the kids bringing the guns to school? Or is the trauma the 
kids bringing the knives to school or is the trauma the kids whipping up on each other in the schools or is the trauma the virtual learning? If you are making the argument that virtual learning is the reason why kids have the trauma and not the guns in the school and the violence in the classrooms, you've lost the plot, my friend. You have lost the plot. (laughs) This is, uh, granted, I mean, I had as much experience as a superintendent as our superintendent did, but... Even I can tell you that that is not the reason why all of the kids in CMS seem to be bringing guns to school and beating each other in the hallways. I can tell you that. That's not accurate. Surely you're not that stupid. Because if you really believe that's the case, please tender your resignation today. Today. Because lives are in jeopardy. If you really believe that now, if you're just trying to spin and you're just trying to lie your way out of this and hope that, you know, it goes away or something at some point. Okay, fine. Like I totally get it. You know, that makes more sense. You are an educrat. But if you really believe that, please take a look. And by the way, when Jensen did follow up in this uh, interview, he followed up and he said, well, you got other school districts. Like he cited Wake County and he said, like they got one, (laughs) one, one student who brought two guns. He was an overachiever, but he brought two guns. Like that's what Wake County, a bigger school district than CMS. And Winston said, you can't compare the two districts. And you know why? Because there's apparently different students attending the schools. I take it back. I, uh, this is rocket science. Apparently. I had no idea. Like, this is some next-level intelligence stuff. I can't even fathom. So the argument here is that the kids at Wake County are different kids than the kids in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, and that's why the kids at CMS are bringing the guns and the knives and whipping up on each other in the hallways while the kids up in Wake County are not. That's what we're to believe. Is there something specific about the kids in CMS, or is it just, like, literally, like, like, I'm a different person than you, and so, therefore, that's why I carry a gun to school and you don't. And that's it. It's just because we're different people. Like, is that the idea? Or are you speaking demographically? Are you speaking demographically? And if you are speaking demographically, then, uh, you know, for my sake, why not just say it? Who are you talking about? What are the demographics you're targeting here? If you're going to say that the reason why the guns and the knives and the brawling are showing up in the schools is tied to some sort of demographic, then you need to say what that is, don't you? How else are we going to address the issue if we're not identifying the issue? And again, I'm not the one who made this point. I'm not the one who asserted this. I'm trying to figure out. What the guy in charge of the entire school district is trying to say when given an opportunity to say it. And he's not saying it. So just say it, man. Like, seriously, I think like from what I can gather, and I have no insight on this, but it looks like he's kind of hanging on by a thread. (laughs) You might as well just come on out and say it. Just speak truth to power, man. The kids need you to do that. I would submit the first step. 
close that folder that they give you with all of the charts and the talking points that you were reading off of. Close that bad boy up and just just let it flow, man. Just tell us what you know. So I came across this piece. It's been a few weeks. It's actually, wow, okay, been a month. But um, this is what I do. I compile the... Uh, oh, hang on a second. That's my fault. Sorry about that. Um, I compile the uh, the stack of stuff. Right over the course of days and weeks, and uh, then I get a, a whole bunch of related content together, and then that becomes a topic. So that's sort of how I work. And so this is from November 8th. It was a piece by Michelle Goldberg. So it was right after the Virginia election. Headline, COVID-related school chaos is a problem for Democrats. This was in the New York Times. COVID-related school chaos is a problem for Democrats. This is at the core of a lot of what we're seeing right now. So like with this, um, uh, with the violence in CMS, with Ernest Winston, like it's like there's pressure building on Winston, not just from, you know, parents and all those right wingers at WBT, right? It's not, not, not just, not just like sane people, but Democrats too. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid the Democrats. But there's pressure on the left as well because, you know, they don't want their kids going to school with violence, with guns and knives. But also here, um, they're afraid that this is going to give Republicans a way to win. So there is a there is a fear that if CMS administration can't fix this, it's going to cost Democrats at the polls. So. There might be a movement afoot, right, to force CMS Superintendent Ernest Winston out, which, as I understand, would probably be a really good thing uh, for him. He would make a ton of money, as I understand it. Like, the payout would be like two years or something of a severance package for this guy. Like, that's like what, that's like a producer, radio producer severance. (laughs) It never gets old. It never gets old. <clears throat> Vince, welcome to the program. Hello, Vince. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey, hey what's Pete, up? Until, until people's feet are held to the fire, you know, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Ernest Winston's going to be gone when he signed that agreement. And he's going to make the big money when he when they give him the boot. That's going to happen. They're going to use him as the excuse, uh, you know, for all these problems. But, you know, are there three or four retired attorneys out there, conservative attorneys, that just would sue the school system and the school board and even individual members, hell, even principals at these schools, you know, uh, sue them eight ways to Sunday for everything they can possibly think of and put some heat on them? You know, if they start to feel some economic pressure and then just they're always in the news for being sued for for poor performance, for, you know, for malfeasance, for, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, Pilot, well, I would just tell you from my limited uh, understanding of the law, which is as limited as my understanding of being a superintendent, uh, which I think qualifies me for the top gig at CMS. Uh, but my, my limited understanding is that you cannot sue these government actors because one of the nice things about being in government is that you get to make the rules for yourself. And I think that that's one of the rules that they made for themselves is that they don't have to be uh, held uh, civilly liable, even if they don't do their job. I think that's yeah, that's well, part of the deal. So I mean, like I understand what you're saying, and I think uh, I would. I mean, I would like to see the ability for people in positions uh, of uh, this kind of import 
to be held accountable in the way that you're saying. I just, I don't think that there is. I think that they get indemnity for that stuff. Right. Yeah, well, we, you know, they could sue them to get the information to find out, you know, why are you withholding information about the guns? Why are you withholding information about the demographics of what is, is this white on black? Is this black on white? Is this black on black? Are these kids, you know, if they're so out of control, uh, you know, we, we need to know, you know, the people that are, that are footing the bill for these schools, you know, ought to be so this is told. Yeah, so, I w- so here's what I would caution is that it sounds like what you are, um, your approach assumes that the system survives after you're done with it. And I'm, I, I, I don't share that assumption. So like you, you, your approach has that kind of built into it, right? Like if we can only figure out why they're doing what they're doing, we can fix that and then we can continue on our way and things will be better. And I am of the belief that the whole system doesn't work. And all this is, is just a manifestation of that truism. And so you're not going to be able to fix it, because it cannot be fixed in the way you're describing. No, I agree. I mean, the same thing with college. Instead of a four-year, right. it should be three-year. Pick a program, study. You've got the costs. You know, I've been thinking about it for years. But anyway, I was just hoping there was a... a they can sue them for something. They can make try to make their lives miserable somehow, some way. Maybe they don't get personally held responsible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you this. think I've been doing here? Like, I'm doing this. Well, now that's my job here. I'm enjoying it. All right, well... <laughs> All right. right, Thanks, Vince. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Um, The Democratic Party actually put out a tweet the other day and it said, fun fact, which spoiler alert, not really fun, but uh, fun fact, he said, the number one DNC donor reported occupation this year is a teacher. The number one profession, the occupation listed most often in DNC donor roles, is a teacher. This is a big problem. Education folks, you don't even really understand how big of a problem this is. When all of the teachers, or almost all of the teachers, are of one political persuasion, do you think the other political party, especially today, nowadays, do you think they're going to want to give their kids over to you for your lessons? Just talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's go to the phones here. Here is Fred, who has been waiting. Hello, Fred. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, Fred. What's up? I'd like to ask you a question. I'd like to know if there's anything positive going on in the world. Seems like everything that you spew is nothing but negativism. You you can sit back and be an armchair quarterback and criticize people for things yeah. that you don't know anything about. Like what? You're an expert on every subject. No, I've clearly said I'm not. No, I, I've repeatedly I, said I I'm not. You. You're certainly not. That's for sure. Yeah. So okay. So you wanted to know. So Fred, hang on. You wanted. You, so your question. I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you with a, a modicum of good faith here, and that you're genuinely interested. If there's anything good going on in the world, yeah. Uh, yeah so, well, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. See, Fred. Fred, when you jump on when you jump on the question like that, it kind of it kind of tips your hand that you might not be operating in good faith with the asking of that question, right? It kind of feels like you're setting the question up just as basically the uh, uh, useful tactic for an attack. So I'm going to assume that you're asking if there is, in fact, anything positive going on. And I was going to tell you, first off, 
Uh, yes, that the Panthers aren't going to lose this weekend. So that's a good thing. Also, you're on the radio. That's a good thing, too. You got to get on the radio. You got to make your point. Um, also, we're collecting some bicycles for kids on Tuesday. Can you come on down and drop a bike off for the for kids that need a bicycle? Do you think people, do you think people like Henry Bogan and, and John and people that made that radio station what they are, they're lo- no longer with us. I think they'd roll over in the grave to what you people have turned that radio station I don't think so. I actually spoke with Henry Bogan uh, when I worked here prior, and he came in one night and he actually told me that he uh, enjoyed listening to my show. So, no, I think you're wrong about that. No, I'm not. I don't think No, no, I actually, I know. No, see, Fred, see, Fred, here's your problem, Fred. You just stumbled upon something that you actually don't know anything about that I do, because I did have that conversation with Henry Bogan. He did say that to me because I used to work the nine to midnight shift here at WBT. See, so you're ignorant. You stepped in it. So you were wrong on that. No, no. Yeah, no. yeah. It's yeah. really depressing and sad yeah. what the radio station's become. Okay, so Fred, why are you listening? So Fred, why do you listen? And he's a big Republican. Why he do, you- do whatever he wants to, and you follow right up behind that. That's okay. That's that's your world. What's my my world is that I follow up right behind who? Vince Coakley? Oh, you hung up now? Oh, Fred. You know what's going to happen now, right? Now is when I call you a coward. And then you're going to get all so mad. I'm not a coward. Yeah, you're you're a coward. You you called in and you said something. I, I don't even know what that was. Like, and I come on right after Vince. I don't know if that was like an insult to Vince or if that was an insult to me or if it was an insult to both of us. I don't, I don't know. I thought, look, I thought I had been very, very clear. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought... I thought I made that very clear. Like, I'm not, I I am not a school superintendent. I cannot tell you how to be a good superintendent. I'm just a lay person, just like anybody else. And I guess Fred is just making, he just wants to rely on an appeal to authority as a debate tactic. And then, oh, well, you know, he's an expert because he has the job. And so therefore you should just do what he says. That's an appeal to authority. That's what Fred was, I guess, wanting me to do. And again, and no, by the way, um, Fred was not arguing in good faith. Of course he wasn't. He did not call in to ask me if anything positive was going on. That was merely a ruse. It was a springboard from which he could attack. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. Ha ha. I'm going to use that as a springboard to say, you stink. <laughs> right. Yet he's still listening, aren't you, Fred? Still listening. Winterbull was talking about this the other day with some other guy. Probably It may have been Fred. I don't remember who the caller was. But Winterbull is exactly right. He's like, you need me. It was a great phone call. What, I'm fulfilling a, a, a service for you, Fred. I don't know what it is that you demand to be on the radio. Like, I'm not sure. But here's an idea. Start a podcast, man. It's super easy. Trust me. I've actually done it. I've actually done it successfully. I've actually done it so successfully, that's how I ended up here again. So you could do a podcast as well, and you could put out all of the the best, most positive things ever. And you could have a wildly successful podcast and show me how it's done. Please do. Because I am I am all about encouraging more content creation. I want there to be more content creators. More. More choices. 
Oh, and by the way, just not for nothing, I've covered Charlotte Mecklenburg schools for over a decade, and I've been following education policy at the state legislative level and the local level for 20 years. But I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. That's the key takeaway here. Hey, Ryan, what is going on? What's up? Pete, that guy's smoking crack. That's possible. I don't know. It's possible, though. I, I mean, I, look, I've been listening to WBT now. I was here for Jason Lewis. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> for, for uh, I mean, look, I've had, and and next time you talk to him, I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll remember this. I've had John Hancock yell at me out of the air <laughs> and then apologize and ask me to call him back. I've never heard that. Um, I mean, I, every, not just Jason Lewis, but um, um, Keith Larson, everybody. You buy, you have by far the best show. Let me tell you why. Well, thank you. Why. That's very kind I'm not of just going to say that. I'm fan. I'm going to fanboy uh, uh, Pete Callender. Um and, and look, I even, um, who was it? It was Keith. Keith Larson actually let me talk to, he had Ron Paul on one time. Mm-hmm. He let me talk to Ron Paul because Keith used to call me Ron, uh, Ron Paul Ryan, right? <laughs> because you are fair. You, uh, uh, very similar to me. I try and not fall for the partisan trap. Little out libertarian, right? And and I listen very closely. I mean, I'm talking inflection. You know, I listen mm-hmm. close. You've got probably the best show I've ever heard on WBT. Well, thank you, Ryan. That's very kind. I will send you your check momentarily. Uh, Ryan, thank you. And uh, CJ Stanley, I'll get to you up next. Right now, let's get over to Boomer Von Cannon. Okay. He's been doing this a while. Fred, one other good thing. I know you're still listening. Fred, another good thing? Your call is going to be in a best of segment. I know. There's just so many great things happening today. I can't, can hardly contain myself. By the way, we are collecting bikes on Tuesday. Details on that in a minute. First, let me get CJ on. Hello, CJ. How are you? I'm doing fine, Pete. I wanted to call and just say that I've listened to you for all these years in Charlotte. I had you on my TV show, and I think yes. that you're doing something that no one else is doing in the United States. It's called common sense. You're explaining the issues. And, you're t- and what I like about it, uh, I used to have to do a lot of investigating, mm-hmm. uh, reading, talking on the phone, but now all I have to do is listen to you to find out what's really going on and waste <laughs> my time on all that because, you know, I'm busy with other things. So I see. So I'm, you've, you've offloaded all of the work to me. I see how this well, no, relationship is. you're doing a great good. job. And actually, I miss Rush Limbaugh, but I don't miss him so much anymore. Oh, that's very kind. You really kind. are doing a great job. That's very kind. I appreciate that. It's great to hear your voice, CJ. Are you still doing anything with the TV show? Is it still actually, on? I was on the, uh, I w- I was on, uh, TV show for 28 years. I had a show every week with Jim Puckett. Yeah. And uh, I gave it up last December. Uh, and while I was doing that, I was taking care of my, my parents in my home for eight years. Uh, we just had a lot going on. Yeah. And then, uh, my husband then got sick. I had to take care of him while I was doing the show. So I finally just ended it last December, but I may go back next year for the elections. I'm really concerned about them. Mm. I want to make sure that we have competent, good people that are honest, who really want to serve this state. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear you. Thanks so much, and uh, I'm glad to hear you're still out there. And uh, thanks for the kind words. Well, absolutely. And if I come back on, I want to have you on as a guest. Happy to do it. I'm happy to be back. Absolutely. Well, you really are great. You are doing a good job. But I would say other. I mean, I'm just very honest. That's where I came from. But <laughs> well, I, I appreciate really it. Think, I really do think you've you've done an amazing job, and I you've earned my respect. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it, CJ. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Honey. All right, take care. Um, Hancock's bikes for kids. It's on Tuesday. From 10 a.m. until 7 p.m., Bank of America Stadium. Fred, this would be a great opportunity for you to do some good stuff, right? 
participate in some good stuff that the radio station is doing, collecting bicycles. This is what we do. It's so it's always interesting to me the people that that attack, uh, particularly like conservative news talk stations. Um, how they, there's like a, this this blind spot for all of the service work that these stations do. You don't even really probably pay any attention to it, Fred, right? Like, you don't even realize it. All of the things that the station does for the community. But whatever. Um, like I said, we, I, I serve a purpose for Fred. And Fred, you are free to call back anytime. Look, here's the thing. Like, if you want to have debates and discussions about things in good faith, I'm your huckleberry for that. Absolutely. Now, if you want to call and troll me, well, I'm your huckleberry for that, too. <laughs> so... Uh, whatever, you know, however you'd like to engage, I'm I'm perfectly capable and happy to do so um, at whatever, uh, uh, you know, I, I generally treat people the way they treat me. That's how I try to uh, I try to engage with folks. So if you want to bring a bicycle by, I'd be happy to accept it on behalf of all of the people who hate me. Um, it's on Tuesday, December 7th, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Bank of America Stadium. Uh, Hancock's been doing this for 28 years. I mean, that's like a lot of bicycles. You add this together over 28 years, because some years, like, the goals were, you know, in the thousands. They would collect thousands of bicycles. So come on down, please. We need your help. And consider getting your hands on a bike early. Running out of time, obviously. Go to WBT.com for all of the details. And we ask, by the way, that these be new bicycles. We want the kids to have a new bike. And, uh... Assemble them if you can, just because, uh, you know, Hancock is terrible at assembling bicycles. Have you ever seen, it's like, have you ever seen the Simpsons episode with the wheelbarrow art project that Homer did? Yeah, that, like that, or the cement and the doghouse or whatever it was that he was supposed to be building and it just turned into this. Yeah, that's, you don't want Hancock assembling these bicycles. All right, just steer clear. Um, See, now here's the kicker too, by the way, that... Um, oh, so uh, hang on. Fred's like, oh, is there anything positive? So there are actually things positive. It's like one, and I was going to, if if he was actually asking that in good faith, here was one of the questions or one of the examples I was going to give to him. This comes actually from Ann, uh, who sent an email, said CMS needs to take pointers from this school in Louisiana. Imagine responsible fathers and father figures making a difference in the behavior of kids. These problems truly start in the home. And then she has some links to some stories and I saw one of them is about the dads on duty group. And what I would have told Fred had his question been in good faith was that this is already underway now in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. There are dads that are doing this now, this dads on duty. And there is also a group called moms on a mission. So this is a positive development out of this. And I was going to read to him this aspect of the story, but he didn't really care. He just used it as a, again, as a springboard from which to attack. Um, so that's the first thing, but here's the irony also is that the first story I read was a headline from an op-ed in the New York times from last month that said COVID related school chaos is a problem for Democrats. And see he, and Fred's like, isn't there any positive news you have Pete? And I'm like, yeah, I just read it. This is a problem for Democrats. That's great news. Isn't it? I mean, I would think it's great news. Last Wednesday morning, Christopher Rufo, the architect of the right-wing crusade against critical race theory, sent me a message. This is from Michelle Goldberg at the New York Times, asking if I wanted to talk. 
I suppose because I was one of the first people to write about his project back in February. He was feeling triumphant after the Virginia election. Um, And Rufo said, I've unlocked a new terrain in the culture war and demonstrated a successful strategy. We are right now preparing a strategy of laying siege to the institutions. The public schools are waging war against American kids and American families. Families, in turn, should have a fundamental right to exist, or to exit, rather, he said, a fundamental right to exit. This is why I told you that the number one occupation of donors to the DNC were the number one occupation was teachers. That's a problem. And by the way, that's not a problem that Republicans made. And, you know, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at at the politicization that has occurred in K-12 education by the left, by the Democrats. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the truth. Republicans didn't make all the teachers donate money to the Democrats. They chose to do that. That's their partisan affiliation. And when you have half of the country viewing the K-12 establishment as partisan, they're not going to support it. That's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Even Fred, I appreciate the call, too. And uh, stick around. Brett Winterbull is up next. He's bringing in, I've seen it, his inkwell and his ostrich feather in hand. Um, And I believe he's got coach with him as well. We'll talk with you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) 